welcome to another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, here to try to make this world seem a little more normal, even though these days that's pretty damn near impossible. My guest this week, well, my guest tonight, I'm very happy to have. She is also a fellow podcaster and a lot more. But we'll talk all about all that in a minute. My guest tonight is Savannah Blake. Welcome, Savannah. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing well. Yourself? Can't complain. Not a bad day. Not a bad day at all. Well, good. But so the first question I ask everybody on this show is what got you into the paranormal spirituality world? Like what what spoke your what spoke to you? What stoked your interest? So um I'm prepared. I know you're going to ask that. <laughs> I'm paying attention to your other podcast episodes. But um, I don't think anything actually got me into it. It's I was just here and from the get go as far back as I can remember. I was always drawn towards the magic and fairies and stuff like that. But I also uh, my mother and my grandmother, as well as my uncle and another grandmother. So I guess like I come from people, my family, who were very open about their own paranormal type of experiences uh, in, in the household, that is. So I came kind of grew up in this double standard of um, behind closed doors. Everybody was very open about it. But to other people, it was very hush hush. Because uh, we grew up in church as well, and you just didn't talk about things like that. But I was a very sensitive child, so I had, you know, growing up around them mentioning things, I just started paying attention and noticed that I was noticing my own things. I, so much so that my the house I grew up in had a lot of activity going on, and I think it was just the location or something. I'm not really sure because it has lessened. As I've moved away, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I was very, very suppressive of all of that. So I would see things and I'd be like, I would tell myself, no, you didn't. You didn't see nothing. Just, <laughs> just you know, keep on keeping on. But um, you didn't really have this connection between the spiritual and the paranormal. It seemed like two completely different things. So much so that I didn't even know spirituality was even a thing until probably my late teens, early 20s. And that's when I started connecting all of these things, because believe it or not, I'm actually a huge skeptic. I want to understand what's going on and what I'm experiencing. But the experiences that I had were undeniable and then the experiences that my mother and my grandmothers would tell me about and they were very very serious about it and um so there was no doubt in their hearts either so that I just kind of took that and um wanted to understand and then I found spirituality and the world of energy work and all of that and I started putting two and two together so Basically, my entire life's work up to this point has been trying to understand all of this. Very well put. Very well put. And I like that you're a skeptic, though, because the best people in this field are also skeptics. Because absolutely, they're not. You don't want someone who's going to see every anything they see. They're, they're going to be like, "Oh, it was a ghost." Like you don't want that. Yeah. Like because that's then it's disingenuous. It's not real. It's you're looking for something then that. You're not just trying to find something. You're actively looking for a reason to say it's there, mm -hmm. which that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just wrong. That's like, that's like a teacher picking out a kid that they can't stay in the class and looking for a reason to blame them for stuff. So, I mean, it goes along the same method, basically. Yeah. But, and I want to believe, but at the same time, I am logical enough to know that not every single thing has, is just automatically ghost. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so much stuff that happened in my life that I could have been like, oh, it's a ghost. But I'm like, no, most likely it's not. Most likely it's the wind. There's a window open or I bumped into something and knocked it over and didn't realize it. Like, it's just the way it goes. Like, mm -hmm. it's not always something supernatural. That's the main message I always try to say is it's not always something I, I wish it was, but 10 to 1, that's not the case. Well, I mean, everything's supernatural when you really get to the 
nitty gritty of it because the oh. only thing that is is that which is. Yeah, I mean that's that's pulling at hairs there. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, all I'm saying is that the the fact that any of us are here at all, or that any of anything exists at all, is in of itself supernatural. I agree. Call, I agree. Yeah. I mean, who knows how humans started? I mean, yes, until until a few years ago, I was 100% an evolutionist, and I believed everything was evolution. I saw no fault in Darwin's theories about it and the work that's been done since. But okay. But now I've been talking to people and I don't know what I believe anymore. I just can't know what to believe at this point because I've heard so many differing opinions, so many good opinions that have not scientific, not science behind them, but they have reason behind them and logic behind them. And I was like, all right, I could consider that a possibility in this world. Yeah, sure. But but let's let's start with why I always like to go to next. And that's your personal experiences because that's what people come to hear. All right. Um, pretty generically, when I was a child and in my teenage years, things happened all the time, all the time, like almost a daily, daily experience. I would see an apparition or have, uh, you know, a ceiling fan would just start turning out of nowhere or, you know, just little things here and there. The biggest things I remember though, that impacted me is, uh, one night I was, and I, <laughs> I've been really nervous about this. I've never spoken about my experiences with this kind of stuff into the public before. Um, but there was this one night I was on the computer and it was right after the internet became a thing, right? So I was on AIM or AOL or something or another uh, late into the night. And the way the room was set up is that the computer was shoved into the corner and the door to leave the room was right behind me. And I don't know what time it was, but it was time for bed and I cut everything off and I pushed back from the desk and I turned around and in the seat. And when I did, there was, um, I hesitate to say the word demon because <laughs> for obvious reasons, um, but there was something hanging on the side of the doorway looking at me. Um, and that's, that's the only description word that I can come up with, with what it looked like. It looked like a, what you would call a, dark bat like creature but definitely humanoid in nature um and when i say bat like i'm referring to like the color and texture and just aspects of the face and whatnot um and all i did was turn back around and look at the computer for a second and i was like nope absolutely not so i just turned everything back on and sat on the internet for another hour um, before I turned around and went about my life and day and went to bed and stuff. So that was probably the most impactful experience I ever had. Um, aside from this other time, my grandmother lived on a hill. And then her nephew lived on the side of the hill. And then my aunt and uncle lived at the bottom of the hill. So we were always like running up and down this hill. And we had heard all these stories about a little boy that lived on the hill, uh, a ghost. And uh, he was theorized because the house at the top of the hill that my grandmother lived in had been in the family for like, gosh, 200 years or something. And um, probably not that long. It's probably an exaggeration. I'm not sure with Tom. But anyway, uh, one of my great-grandfather's sons or something had died in the house at age like seven or eight. And they never really knew what had happened. Uh, all they knew is they woke up one morning. It had snowed that night. The window to his bedroom was open. There was a scoop of snow from the windowsill. And then he was just dead. So, you know, and this happened in like the early 1900s, if not earlier than that. So there, you know, we don't really know. But anyway, that was theorized to who the little boy ghost was. Uh, but my aunt and uh, my aunt and uncle's children, the ones that lived at the bottom of the hill, all had the same exact imaginary friend that they talked to. And th it was never mentioned to the younger one. They just got of age to start talking and they had the exact same imaginary friend. Well, we were having a birthday party for one of them one day. 
And I walked all the way up the hill to my grandmother's house to get like a drink or something. And I walked in the door and there was the little boy crouched behind her rocking chair. Again, I just turned around and was like, "Mm -mm, nope. And went and sat on the porch for probably 15 minutes before my cousin came up there and was like, what's going on? And I was like, I told him what had happened. And he was like, don't tell me that. I was like, I know. But my grandmother had seen him as well. But yeah, that's probably my two biggest experiences I've had. Yeah, I mean, they're both interesting. And I mean, it's more experiences than I've had for sure. So I've, I've yet to even see a ghost. I just, I've had one talk to me and I've sensed their presence, but I never actually have seen one in like in a full body apparition, like ghost, Ghostbusters style or anything. I've seen a couple. That was the most impactful one. But I also, there was this very large naked man at my parents' house that would walk through walls. So there was that. Um, And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had underwear on. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. I was I, I was like I was like I get to hear anybody say they seen a ghost hanging <laughs> hanging down there, but because I'd be interested almost to see, to hear about what that looked like to see a ghost wing, but yeah, but I mean yeah, underwear. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'm almost hesitant to even call them ghosts because that's a word that we have used to uh, try to understand, and um. I don't know. I just, my whole theory, I've been working with these thoughts and these memories and trying to understand them and how would I place them in our world and whatnot. And uh, energy imprints has been the most two thing that I can come up with. But here recently, I've been learning more about other types of entities and whatnot. So who knows? Honestly, we can sit here and theorize all day long. Uh, well, we can and that's also the kind of the point that's point that's kind of the point of my podcast but yeah for sure <laughs> but all right well let's talk about what you do in this world which because we talked about your experiences so i want to hear about the energy work you do because energy work fascinates me because i really don't understand like truly what it, it i mean i've talked to multiple energy workers and they try to explain but everyone has a different way of explaining what they do so it's always interesting so okay and this goes back to why i think they're energy imprints um for the most part not in all cases because i do believe that there are entities that we can't perceive that are just as real as you and i but different from per se a ghost um i think a ghost is maybe a remnants of a spirit and an energy print from someone who was uh, in our physical existence, like the third dimension type of thing. But anyway, backing up. Um, so everything is energy. Your energy, I'm energy, all of that. The way I like to explain it, you know, everybody's seen the matrix. And mm-hmm. when they go into the matrix, uh, other people that are in the real world are watching it from a computer screen. Right. And it looks like um, it's black with the numbers, the green ones and zeros going in a line. And when these ones and zeros go over the people who are in the matrix, it kind of like forms them out. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So our world's kind of like that only instead of the ones and zeros lime green with the back black ground it's um more of like threads of light so solid white threads of light and we are energy imprints that are just kind of existing in this and we can move around and do things in it and whatnot um i work with the chakra system So the chakra system is, uh, they're essentially spiritual type energy organs in our bodies that, and we have seven main ones that run up and down the length of our spine, even though we have many, many, many more than that. We just, you know, the the main seven are more than enough for anybody to work with, uh, especially in our understanding of the physical realm at the moment. So our... Chakras connect our connect us to this world of energy. 
And our senses just, they're limited. They perceive the physical, even though nothing's actually physical because atoms don't touch. So everything's just an illusion. Um, but that being said, the chakras interpret this energy and work with this energy because the energy is always flowing, always being exchanged from one person to another. Pretty much everybody's familiar with auras, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay, so our auras radiate outside of our bodies, and we can measure this. We have tools that can measure this. Our auras represent the energy that extends outside of our bodies. But when you take away the physicalness of our reality and our perception, the same energy that is our auras is ourselves. It's just what expands outside of what we perceive as solid. So when we're walking around and interacting with people, places, things, and all of that, our auras, our energy is bumping into other people's auras and energy and it rubs off. And it, it, you know, if someone's in a bad mood and they interact with you or they just walk by you in some cases, then they can, you know, the energy's contagious. So you yeah. walk away in a bad mood. And our chakras pick up on every little thing and they take the interactions of the world and they interpret it into our body and then reflect it out. So when we come into negative situation, when we come into contact with negative situations and circumstances, our chakras take that and compute it essentially. And then their information centers. And from there, if it's negative energy, then we get negative manifestations but if it's healthy, clean, positive energy, then we get healthy, clean, positive manifestations. And this comes in the form of physical ailments, mental, emotional, uh, quality of life, because our inside reflects our outside and vice versa. It's all the same because the inside is the outside. Um, so I work with the chakra systems. That's what I do. And I help people interpret their blocks and heal them on an individual level so that they can heal their past traumas and their patterns that have kept them stuck in this thing or that and just kind of help them move. We use that to move towards a healthy just sense of being or existence uh, as well as hitting certain goals that they want. Which makes sense. And it's funny because when you talk about like how energy wipes off on people, depending on what kind of energy it is, it always makes me think of uh, how I met your mother with the, the the shouting cycle or the shouting circle, how you go from one person to the next and you just like everybody shouts to everybody. And that's how like energy gets passed on and everybody releases that bad energy. Yeah. Like, that's, that's my favorite example of that happening. But I mean, it's, it's important work because I mean, Someone having a bad day can lead to something horrible. I mean, it can lead to, it can lead to, just to go to the worst here, like shootings and that type of stuff yeah. or assaults. Like, it can lead to. It all it takes is that one little thing clicking, and then it's just the way it goes. Like, but so energy work is important, I believe. So and yeah, and I believe I mean, that it's we're coming into a, a new age, uh, which I mean, people call it the new age. And I didn't understand it for a while because everything that I do is ancient knowledge. Essentially it's stuff that yeah. they knew about thousands of years ago. Um, and we could go in forever how we got here, but uh, it's important to the understanding of ourselves and the world that we live in as a whole, because like I said earlier, the only thing that exists is that which exists. There's, we try to section it off between the scientific and the spiritual. Well, it's all the same. You know, what is just is that universe doesn't differentiate between this or that. There's no boxes. Everything's fluid. Everything's conjoined. Yeah. Which I agree with that. And I mean, even people like Tesla and Einstein agreed with that theory. Yeah, I mean, Einstein's famous for saying that spirits exist because when we die, our energy has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. 
Right. So. Energy's never created nor destroyed. It's just transferred all the time transferred. And the chakras, uh, which is what I work with, the energy blocks, a lot of people are familiar with these days, um, is becoming more prominent, which I love uh, because I definitely felt like the crazy person out here before all of this started becoming more mainstream and understood and all of that. So I'm glad that that's, but yeah, energy blocks because energy is fluid and it's constantly moving and swirling and transmuting and all of that. And when you come into these negative situations and circumstances, that's when you get a block. And since energy is not meant to be still and what's the word? Um, congested essentially stagnant yeah. that's the word i'm looking for stagnant is when you get negative manifestations in your mind body everything yeah i, I mean and it makes sense it does which my co-host is being annoying at the moment but <laughs> i had to bribe mine to stay out of the room <laughs> yeah bribes don't work on this one I have to basically either threaten or to take away things or I have to put up with it. But so the question, which that all that question, I mean, you yourself developed doing this line of work because you had to heal yourself, I believe. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And in doing it, I've realized that we all have patterns that we just pass on. People call them generational curses because, you know, you're great-grandparent had a situation of circumstances that led them to believe a certain way and develop a negative pattern, which then they passed on to their offspring, uh, which they then just took as fact and passed on to the next one, so on and so forth, until it gets to us. And um, I realized that in my own healing that these cycles were occurring and how they're just passed through, down through generations. So we can't really be mad at the people who gave it to us because they didn't know any better. And thank God we got the internet because that's what's led to all of the healing that the world is trying to do right now. And through healing ourselves on an individual level, I do believe that puts us towards healing the world as a whole. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I mean, the world, needs a lot of healing nowadays the, we, the world's in a very bad place especially the last i'd say 10 years or so which, yeah i oh know go ahead go ahead I, oh go i was me. just gonna say that um thanks to the internet i think because you have to make a mess to clean a mess and up until this point we've just been think of it as like um you know if you're a hoarder and you have stuff stacked up all over the place to so throughout history, we've just been continuing to bring in this trauma and stacking it up on top of all the other piles of trauma. And now with the Internet, we've been able to talk to each other and understand more points of view and more understanding and more learning. Because up until the last like 20 years, if you wanted to know something or understand something, you had to go to a library shuffle through all the books, hope that one of them has the information that you're looking for, read that book. And honestly, I'm finding there are so many conflicting standpoints in books. So even that puts a damper in our understanding of things. It makes it very limited because up until the internet, we only understood the world as much as the people around us understood the world. And when you live in these small communities, it really makes it hard to expand your horizons. But now that we have the internet and we can come together and we can learn easier and understand, we have the world at our fingertips. So we finally started healing because we finally now know that there is a healing because up until now, we didn't even know that healing was a thing that we could do. Um, so now we're trying to essentially clean off all the stacks of trauma out of our house that we've hoarded these, you know, some odd thousand of years. And um, it's messy because healing is messy. I agree. I mean, and yeah, you're 100% right. If you lived in a small town in, say, rural Iowa before the Internet, you believed what the people around you believed and it's a small town so they were small-minded for lack yeah. of a better word 
they're small-minded and i know people who live out in iowa still and because i do podcasts with them and whatnot and they still say like their towns are basically like well praise the lord and pass the ammunition like that's what they still believe yeah <laughs> like it's i'm in alabama so yeah <laughs> I was going to ask about that at some point because that <laughs> accent right there is just, I knew that had to be a Southern accent. But, oh, yeah. But, which I got to love a good Southern accent always. But I always wish I had one when I was a kid. <laughs> Don't know why. Just always wish I did. But, That's so funny because I tried most of my childhood to get rid of mine. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it that just like in, in, endearing. Like a Southern accent makes you believe somebody almost because to me it's just you watch all the movies when you're younger of like, and the people with the Southern accents, like the sheriff with the Southern accent was always a believable one. But They're just honest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so, yeah, I mean, it's to get these different beliefs out and to get people to heal, you need to expose the dirty garbage of the world, which yeah. the internet did that. The internet did that for the first 10 years, full fold. Mm -hmm. And it's still doing that. It's getting much harder for the people in power to, uh, manipulate and hide and do as they please. Whereas before it was pretty relatively easy. Oh yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things to say is imagine if Nixon was president during the internet era, like the, what, what could have been exposed then would have been tremendous and Vietnam probably never would have happened even, but or it would have ended a lot faster than it did. But so, and on the other um, side of extreme extremities, um, so much is revealed these days that we've become numb to it for a lot of the parts. Yes, which that right there, one of the biggest examples of that in the last couple of years is in the middle of COVID, the government releases, oh yeah, we know about UFOs. They're yeah. real. <laughs> and nobody paid attention really. Nobody got it on eyelash. Except for UFO enthusiasts. No one really got excited about it or it was like, what? Like people were just like, Okay, what about the what about this new strain of COVID coming out? Like, which they did that on purpose. They 100. Oh, did that on I purpose. think so too. It was just because they they had people distracted already, and they're like, "Well, now's a good time to just throw this out the door yep. <laughs> and see what happens." But I wonder what the next pandemic will be. They were well, they'll say Bigfoot exists, but I 100 believe that's true. But <laughs> I'm definitely uh, on the side of conspiracy theorist things, but you know they. Uh, they've made conspiracy theorists into being the crazy people because mm -hmm. you know it, it fits their agenda oh yeah it is i mean it's been going on for 50 60 years at this point like oh yeah ever ever since the people that ever, ever since the first people that said oh jfk wasn't shot by one man he was shot by multiple men since the moon landing people saying it's fake and all that like it's just ever since then like they try to make every conspiracy theorist look completely nuts yep and and they that's why they like the internet because it lets these people put all this stuff out there they believe and they let people just think for themselves like okay this person's out of their gourd so mm -hmm. uh, and, and some some are pretty pretty out there oh i mean yeah i've heard some conspiracy theories <laughs> my favorite through. one my favorite conspiracy theory that i talk about all the time but other people have never heard of it and it's like really hard to believe or even prove but pizzagate oh that's a big one yeah i've heard of that one it's a big one but also it's a very it's not a big one because people haven't heard of it like i only found it because uh macaulay Culkin talked about it in his podcast and that's why i learned about it and i was like what now and i actually started googling stuff and i was like okay i'm like maybe I'm yeah, like, I kind of see that existing, maybe, <laughs> but I yeah, and and you don't want to believe that anybody's capable of such things. Um, well, and then we you, don't, you, but we know that we know it's true in this world. I know it's terrible. All we can do is I, our best here, I guess. I mean, I, as you saw with my co-host, I was here a minute ago. Yeah, I 100% don't want to believe that's true, but I have to be vigilant like a freaking hawk because of having a young daughter. So yeah. Yeah, I have a young Which, daughter as well, so I understand. And you got a cute puppy, I see. But oh yeah, <laughs> that's Zuko. What breed is he? He is half um, Lab, half Great Pyrenees. Okay, I got I got a North American Mastiff. So oh, okay, yeah, I like big dogs. Oh yeah, she's seven months, and she just weighed in today at eighty-two pounds. Yeah, he's only like a year and a half, two uh, years old, maybe. 
at oh, this point. When my when my Mastiff is one and a half years old, she's going to be freaking huge. <laughs> but yeah. she already she already destroys the house and knocks everything off everything. But I, when she's older, it's going to be like okay, everything's got to be above my height. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you think the world's going through a change. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this on almost every episode I do because I've heard from multiple, multiple people I interviewed that there is a spiritual awakening going on and I fully believe there is. Yeah. But when do you think it started? That's the debate I like to put out there because I've heard multiple people say like five years ago and I've heard more multiple people say like 2012. Okay, no, I think it started with like in the 60s with the hippies and the flower children. That's when I think it first started. Um, because, you know, these things have to be gradual. We're, we're going from huge scientific right or left brain to more spiritual right brain, uh, left, whatever, and trying to blend them to both into uh, the physical nowness. Um, and these things take a lot of time to completely change the world. So that's when I think it started. Um, but yeah, it is definitely, which I, in the early, let's see, World War One, right before World War One, people were starting to get more spiritual and understand all of this and seances were a big thing. Uh, but then, you know, World War One broke out. So people got distracted and kind of like backtracked a little bit. But I think it really started solidifying in the 60s with the flower children and the hippies and the communes. And that is essentially where I believe we are headed. All of their um, ideals that they back then were talking about with the living together in community and growing your own food for the most part. And, you know, just coming back to that community-centered way of living um but aside from them because they never really went away uh there's all sorts of people that were in the hippie flower children 60s that are still doing light work tarot reading psychic stuff and they're like i've been doing this for 50 years but it just hasn't become prominent because again we didn't have the availability the ways to talk to each other and unless it became prominent in your town in your area then it didn't really go anywhere so that's why you have these like little centralized places in certain areas of the country that are already flourishing with the light work and energy work and crystals and all of these things because they were already doing it it's just we're we're more aware of them being here now and it's becoming more acceptable as well yeah but well i guess the part of it that people usually say didn't start until like the last 10 five years is like the people believing in psychics and mediums and that kind of work more because you know i grew up in the 90s and when i was a kid psychics i was taught psychics were ripoffs they were woo woo people and that they you don't waste your money on that they were carnival attractions basically what i was taught growing up and yes. for a long time, I fully believed in that. But once I started talking to them and I actually would start to experience things happening when I was talking to them and I'm like, okay, th- there's something to this. There's something to this. They're not all just out to get money. Yes, those people exist. And I've done episodes that I have released with psychics who actually do like help people define the difference between a good psychic and a bad psychic. But Oh yes. Oh yes. They're a dime of dozen. And the ones that are actually gifted and actually know what they're talking about, you have to, you have to use discretion with weeding them out because the vast majority of them are just out there to con. And, and I, and I that's a big statement, but from my own personal experience in energy work and all of this, I'm always looking for people to talk to about it because I live in Alabama, so it's not very prominent here. And um, I don't feel, I don't, I don't get to talk about it a lot with people. So I'll, I'm constantly looking for people who know about crystals and energy work and all of that. And I'll start talking to them and I'm like, ah, you don't actually know. Okay. And then I'm moving on. But yeah, I grew up on both sides of it because, because I live in this area and it's a very, uh, it's the Bible Belt, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I had, and I had both extremes in my household, actually. My dad was so know about it all yeah. that he would get angry at Harry Potter, you know? And then, but my mom watched Sylvia Brown. Uh, do you know who she is? I, yeah, I do to some degree. I, a little bit for my time and I never at that age pay attention to stuff like that, but. Oh, I ate it up. I ate it up from the as soon as I could understand what she was doing and what was going on. Um, but I also had uh, one of my grandmothers took me to a psychic one time when I was probably, man, I couldn't have been, I was like eight, 10. I was probably closer to 10, somewhere around in there. But um, I call her psychic. That's a very generic term. I think she was a palm reader. I'm not sure. She took my hand and she was doing this the whole time and just tracing it and talking to me. And she told me things that I had not told a living soul. So because she started out with, she told me, she said, I'm going to start out telling you about yourself, stuff that you already know, so that you'll believe me more when I actually tell you other stuff. And I was like, okay. I didn't say two words to this lady before this time. And she was telling me things that I had not breathed a word to a living soul on this planet. So that's, she's probably the one that convinced me that all of this stuff was real. Yeah, I've had some mediums in my show and some psychics in my show who did readings for me, tarot cards, what have you. And they make me, I even have, I had one last night. I had a guest on my show last night. And at the end, after we got, after we went off air, she did a tarot card reading. And it's just like, wow like everything you're saying is <laughs> something in my life and you don't know me from a hole in the wall so you can't know this stuff about me already like i'm just a right. podcast host to you like i you don't know me personally at all so i mean I and then on um pod, a couple pod match <laughs> like <laughs> uh a couple of years ago we went to new orleans and we were on bourbon street just walking down through there and there was this lady who had a table set up and she asked me if i wanted a reading and i was like absolutely i do and uh, so I sat down and I could hardly understand anything she said, but she wrote it all down. And I was looking at it the next day because honestly, I wasn't in the best mind frame <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but uh, I was looking at it the next day and everything was spot on. And for and she didn't tell she didn't predict anything. She just kind of told me about myself. And this was just a lady I met on the street and everything she got was spot on. Which I mean, yeah. It, it's amazing how spot on these things can be and i don't i mean yeah, you, yeah, being on bourbon street in new orleans i don't think anybody's <laughs> in the right mind to remember anything but Probably not. <laughs> that's i mean that's a, that that's a bucket list visit for me is new orleans but oh i love to go we go every a couple of years well you live a lot closer than i do but well where are you at massachusetts Okay, yeah, it's a lot closer. I was like, it's still a nine-hour drive for us, but yeah, it's still a lot, lot closer than where you're at. I mean, it'd be a three-hour flight, but eh, I got kids and I got no one to watch them, so I ain't got time for that stuff. But yeah, plus, and I, but I was like, I was just gonna say something and it completely slipped my mind. But oh, actually, well, no, it didn't because I actually had a um someone who does yoga for like spiritual purposes on my show a couple weeks ago. So I'm kind of interested to talk to a second person who does that Cool. and talk, talk about how that works. So what, what is the, well, what does yoga do for you and what does it do for people you teach it to? Like, what's the, like, what's the purpose? Okay. So this is another thing that people kind of have a wrong outlook on. Most people treat yoga like an exercise. And um, I, man, I went to yoga class upon yoga class upon yoga class, and I only ever found one person that didn't teach it like an exercise. Um, but so yoga is learning. It's a personal practice of trying to understand yourself and connect your mind to your body and from there on, you can like go into spirituality and stuff. But usually I don't get to that level because where we are 
as a culture and society isn't on that level for the most part. I mean, and again, in some areas, they are more open and keen and can jump to the, the deeper levels of things. But we're so surface area for the most part that most of the time I only get to work with the mind and the body because people understand that more than the spirit stuff. But it's about not only stretching and in that releasing energy blocks, but it's about understanding yourself, your body, your mind, which leads us into meditation. Meditation and yoga go hand in hand. Yoga is meditation in movement, even though I specialize in yin yoga, which is a restorative type of yoga. It's more of a slow paced. Most of my classes are done sitting down or lying down or some combination of both. We might stand and do some of the like warrior poses for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just depending on how I'm feeling that day. But for the most part, we just sit and stretch. And it's your basic stretches that you learned in elementary school and PE. Uh, but I direct the mental stuff while you're stretching. So while you're stretching, I'll be cueing you to pay attention to your breathing, pay attention to your senses, check in with how you feel, um, say some, or tell yourself like some gratitude things in your head, you know, find three things you're thankful for. And it's just a, it's another tool. Like the chakra system is a tool, like tarot is a tool. It's another tool for understanding yourself and healing and working through past traumas and finding a better way to move forward. Because on the mat, we cultivate things like patience and gratitude and posture even, and that we can take off the mat into our daily lives and interact better with the world. And that's, just, that's really all it's about is knowing who you are and how you can just be the best you, especially interactions, because, you know, interacting with the world that we've created is hard, you know, and, and we have the mental health to show for it because mental health is becoming a big thing these days, too. And I think that's why meditation and yoga is so important. And so that's what I've dedicated my life to. Which I respect that. I mean, I myself as a bigger man and just as a man in general, never thought much of yoga until I started talking to people like you who use it for other purposes than just exercise. Because of and course, see, that's all I, that's all I ever thought it was. The funny thing is, is that most of my students, and I've been teaching for about three years now, most of my students have been men, which I was shocked at when I first started teaching. Uh, my Thank first student for... ever to get in this I just kind of looked at him. I was like, are you lost? <laughs> and uh, I, he, he sat down and got everything ready. I said, are you here for the yoga class? He went, I am. I was like, oh, well, okay. Well, welcome, you know. But yeah, most of it's it's very surprising. Which is a good thing. I mean, it should be, everybody should be open to it. Everybody should be open to everything nowadays. I mean, I am take i'm getting <laughs> i'm supposed to have a past life regression at some point Ooh, it was supposed fine. to be it was, supposed, it was supposed to be a couple weeks ago but she had a family emergency and had to move it so i gotta reschedule that still but and i'm getting a i guess you could almost call it like an energy work session done this coming week for some dysfunction issues i have and she swear she was on my show and she swears she told me afterwards she swears she can help so i'm like all right i'm willing to give it a chance like I don't, I won't say no to anything. Like I'll try anything once, but oh, absolutely. I mean, just don't expect me to freaking go climbing on a tightrope or anything like a top of a mountain. I'm good on that. But oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> height all void. Everything else I'm good for. But all right. So you have a podcast. I believe it's called, if I'm not mistaken, Align Heal Vibe. Or did I get that messed up? Align Vibe Flow, <laughs> which I plan on changing eventually. But at the point in time that I made it, I was just SEO purposes, throw it out there. We'll change it later. Exactly. Which I mean, well, I mean, my name, I don't think I'll ever change my podcast name because I do love it. <laughs> but and it's perfect for my show. But what do you talk about in your podcast? Like, like kind of sell your podcast almost even like what do you talk about on it? 
I talk about all the things that I've been talking about with you on it. Uh, I go into uh, chakras in depth and energy work in depth. And uh, I just did one on the yin and yang symbol. That was fun. Um, the will of the year. I talk about that a lot. And uh, astrology, manifesting, manifesting with the moon, those types of things. So all your fun witchy woo woo stuff. <laughs> I love when people describe it as that, even though they know it's not that. <laughs> but that's that's what other people are going to recognize it as. And if you're more open and and like to say that's what you that's what people are going to say it as, and more people will be like, all right, I'll get a shot then. Yeah. But I I, I like astrology. I never used to pay any attention to it. I mean, I would read my daily horoscope in the newspaper and be like, okay, we'll see. Or I'd read a fortune cookie and be like, okay, but. I actually had an astrologist on the show and he gave me a full astrological reading based on my birthday and all that. And like, it was so accurate to everything about me, all my personality. And it was just, Oh my God. Like my mind was blown. I was like, wow. Like, it's fine. It is. And it's just, I mean, it's not something you can do all the time. Cause it doesn't really change based cause you're born one day. Like it doesn't really like change that often. Like what it's going to be about. Well, if you're looking for a, a personal ID type of reading, then yeah, no, it's pretty much just going to be the same. But uh, once you get past that, the planets and stuff change every day and you can, if nothing else, and like I said earlier, I'm a skeptic, right? So I went into all of this as a skeptic. And um, I've always told everybody who are also skeptics, because a lot of people just hear astrology and immediately throw their walls up and they're like, I don't want to hear nothing about it. And I always tell them, if nothing else, it's an introspective tool. It helps you understand yourself and you're working with the, you know, the, the world, the people around you, your relationships. And it's a lot easier to look, pull up the calendar and be like, what's going on today? Oh, uh, the moon's square Mercury. Like, oh, well, that's, it's easier to be like, that's why I'm having, that's why that dude was a, not that's why that was not a nice conversation with him so <laughs> you can blame it on the planet instead of blame it on the person or yourself or whatever yeah which <laughs> yeah i mean to I, an extent I, I don't i don't condone using that as a um crutch you know you're still responsible for your own actions but as far as it comes to like navigating the world on a day-to-day -day basis and stuff it, it helps it's like that meme that's out there recently like it's not because it's a full moon. You're just crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's 100%, like, true. Like, but I know you work with people a lot that have anxiety issues. And yes. my wife has a lot of anxiety issues. She really, like, she doesn't drive. She just has a lot of anxiety issues. She doesn't like walking into supermarkets alone because she feels like everybody's always staring at her, even though they're not. Well, I mean, some people may be, but not everybody's staring at her. So, what do you recommend for people with anxiety? Like what's, what's some simple things they could do to try to relieve some of those symptoms of it? Okay. So this is a really big subject. <laughs> this is, uh, I've based everything I do around in, uh, people with anxiety. So definitely if you have anxiety, come hang out with me. Um, as a generic overtone, uh, going back to yoga and meditation, and how the mind and the body are connected, a lot of the times it's easier to convince the body that you're calm and not anxious than it is the mind. Um, so I'll work with people on, you know, you can't really tell your mind to shut up most of the time and it work, but you can tell your shoulders to go back and down. You can tell yourself to sit up straight and tall. And there's a lot of things that we can do with our bodies like that, that signal to the nervous system that we're okay and we're fine. And then the kind of back working subconscious will kick in at that point and our mind will start to follow suit and be like, oh, okay, maybe I am overreacting. Maybe I'm okay. So posture is a big thing. Shoulders back and down, sitting up tall and straight, breathing in the belly instead of the chest. If you look at babies when they're asleep and their little bellies are going up and down when they're breathing, uh, they're breathing the proper way. They're using, they're utilizing the diaphragm 
to really fill the lungs up to full capacity, which pushes down on all the internal organs, which detoxes those and keeps those running smoothly. Um, but as we get older, we encounter stresses in the world because our stresses, our stress levels, our body doesn't differentiate, our mind and body doesn't differentiate between a tiger trying to teach, ch chase us and eat us and a uh, paper due tomorrow. You know, it's, it's all the same level of stress. Um, and we get secondary stress, too, from other people. So, you know, being on the constant inflow of news, most of which is really scary. We mm -hmm. take on secondary trauma. So that's secondary anxiety. It's all stress levels. Um, but anyway, that causes shallow chest breathing. So we're breathing up here all the time. So trying to find a conscious breathing in the belly, which as adults is sometimes hard to start with because we're so used to breathing in the chest that if we consciously try to bring it down to the belly, it feels like we can't catch our breath because our body isn't used to doing that anymore. So I always warn people that at first it may be hard and at first it may make it worse. But if you just keep consciously trying to get it, it's, it's a relaxed relaxation thing. Um, and that's also gr grounding. So we hear a lot about grounding um, and we have meditations upon meditations upon guided meditations on YouTube and stuff you can find for grounding. But if you can see, we, t we use all of our ways we interact with the world is in our heads. So we think that our consciousness is up here and we keep all of our energy up here. But if we can just drop that energy down to the lower half of our body where there's not as much going on, and that's just breathing in the belly, relaxing the shoulders, um, relaxing the face and shoulders, just sinking everything down, your awareness into our lower half, that's calming. Let's see. Tapping into the senses. And there's lots of different types of anxiety as well. So a huge thing that I do is help people try to figure out what brand they have. Is it trauma-based? Is it overthinking-based? Is it um, allergy-based? There's allergy-based anxiety. And then you have the more uh, specialized sections of like um, postpartum anxiety, even. A lot of people don't know that that's a thing. Uh, so it just depends on the person and their brand of anxiety. But these are things that you pretty much everybody can do. Everybody can ground themselves in the sense of dropping their awareness, um, breathing in the belly, keeping the posture good. Those types of things. Stretching helps. Reframing I mean, yeah. mind work, mind sense. Yeah, which I mean, it is all in the mind. A lot of things are, I mean. Well, Growing not up, entirely with anxiety. Well, well, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot, not everything's in the mind, but I mean, as I mean, I grew up my whole life as a bigger person, as a fat kid, basically, for lack of a better word. And like, I always thought everybody would judge me for everything I do. I didn't like eating in front of well, I mean, I did because I had to, but I didn't like eating in front of people. I didn't like. I would hoard snacks in my bedroom because I didn't want people in my house to see me like eating. I would I didn't want to get yelled at for things like, and like that's the only anxiety I ever really experienced was like that type of anxiety. So I mean, I got over it eventually, and I just said, you know what, I'm fat. I don't give a shit. I'm fat, and nothing's gonna. I'm not. I'll ch I'll change eventually, but nothing's gonna just make that change by me being worried about it. So yeah, just let it let it go. I mean, as much as I hate that song, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> We do frozen right here too, so <laughs> no, thankfully my kids never got into it because they're both past the point where frozen was big. So I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for the last for the last few minutes, since I try to do something local like this for everybody having my show, and since you're from Alabama, <laughs> what is your theory on Bigfoot or as you guys call them down there, the skunk ape? <laughs> um, it's interesting because I've been reading The Convoluted Universe. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's by Dolores Cannon, who was a famous hypnotherapist. She did like the past life regression thing. Um, but so I, yeah, she, um, 
I've never really had much of an opinion on it. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, but in the book, it's been talking about how they are, they do exist and they are humanoid and they are like us, just developed in a different direction than we did. And they stayed more connected to nature and the universe and energy and emotions. And we veered off towards other things. So I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I can go well, with that. I, no one you ever like knew has seen or possibly like had an experience with one of them? No. Uh, we have metal cutouts all over the place. <laughs> People oh, put yeah. out in their yard oh, and yeah. stuff. So, um, and I've heard kind of through the grapevine of, I live in the Tennessee Valley. So we're surrounded by mountains. And there was not too long ago some accounts that one or some, some I'm not really sure, had been seen in the surrounding mountains. That was pretty cool. But nobody I've ever known personally, no. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a shame. But I will. I mean, I was kind of hoping because I'm like, Alabama's a big, Bigfoot state. It really is. Like, I've heard so many sightings from Alabama. Like, it's because it's a lot of wilderness, so it's a lot of yes. sightings of Bigfoot and dogmen and other creatures. Like, it's a lot of sightings of that type of thing. So, I was hoping, but, you know, I can't, it, I don't always get lucky like that and have people that just happen to have a sighting they forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> so, to wrap it up, why don't you tell people where they can find you and where they can inquire you if they're interested in services? Sure. Um, earthandwater.co is my website. So earthandwater.co. And you can, from there, find me across every social media platform, mostly. Uh, and then I have a little bubble on the corner of my website where you can just text me directly right there through Facebook Messenger, I believe is what they use. Um, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm real easy to get a hold of. So I'm, and I'm always happy to answer questions or whatever. And we have a Facebook group where we do things. Well, I, I hope that people will reach out to you from this. And I hope that they come looking to you for your services. Cause I know a lot of people in the world have anxiety about a lot of different things and it'd be great if they can find someone who can actually help them. Absolutely. I think a lot, I think, I think a lot of people out there that are trying to help with it are just, I don't want to say phonies, but kind of. <laughs> well, you can only um, take someone as deep as you've been yourself for one. Exactly. And for two, most of our professionals have, uh, they're biased towards the specific books that they were taught through, which le leaves a lot to be desired. Makes sense, actually, because, I mean, it's like a teacher. They only can, like a college professor will only, like, recommend like stuff he has learned from the books he learned from mm -hmm. when they hear something a new idea a new book they don't want to believe it like so yeah I anytime that. i look up anything i get uh i have a bookshelf back here on it it's like you can barely see it. it's kind of dark but um i have like three or four books i pull out on the subject and i'll look up the same information across all of them and then i'll google it as well and do a little research through there because because everything's so conflicting so it's hard to work through i agree i i mean i agree it's just i've read i mean it's the same with me with cryptids i've read so many different theories and books on them that it's just like i get lost in it sometimes in trying to figure out like what i can believe mm -hmm. like, it's lots so. of opinions it is i mean that's the thing about paranormal it's a lot of we don't know we're not sure but here's what we think and everybody thinks differently. So it's a whole, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the biggest arguments I get all the time in the show with people who are into cryptids is, is Bigfoot a real physical creature or is it interdimensional and it comes from different dimensions? Yeah, who knows? It's a good question. It, it is. And I've had that argument with multiple people and some of them just like, it's interdimensional. You're wrong if you think otherwise. <laughs> and then some people are, there's always the middle people and people that think like, no, it's a real physical creature. I've seen it. It's a real physical creature. It can't or it's it just disappear or possible, possible, possible. But when I say a real physical creature, I mean, from this earth has been here since the beginning of time, basically. Yeah. So okay. That That's why I believe, but 
I mean, yeah. So, as all my listeners know, you can find me on Facebook as Paranormal New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast for the S Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find us on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. All my videos are uploaded there. And you can find us on TikTok as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. Paranormal shows are not on there yet. Working on it. Working on it. TikTok sucks. We'll say that again. TikTok sucks. I, if I didn't get views on it, I wouldn't use it. But I want to thank Savannah for coming on. It's been an amazing show. I've learned a lot. And which is that's the purpose of the show is for me to learn things as well as just my audience. And I will be back tomorrow for my watchers with another paranormal interview. And for my listeners, I will see you in half a week. Thank you for Savannah for coming on. Please, please, guys, girls, check out her podcast. Check out our website. The links will be in the show notes. Have a good night, everybody.